0: Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. We're looking at full house. And if we want a full house, we don't want a house full of certain things, dysfunctions and stuff like that. We want a house full of godly character. And uh, we have an amazing part, each of us, to play in that. So, So I'm Lynn, um, you know that, and uh, I'm the mother, the imperfect mother of four amazing young adults and their partners, and uh, we love them deeply and we're really proud of them. I'm also an imperfect mother of eight and three-quarter grandchildren, beautiful, unique grandchildren. We love them a whole lot and they give us a lot of joy. Did I say I was an imperfect wife? No, we'll skip that bit. We'll skip that bit. uh, But before I was any of that, I was the daughter of imperfect parents. And your story's very similar. You're the son or daughter of imperfect parents as well, of imperfect parents, of their imperfect parents, of their imperfect parents, all the way back to Adam and Eve. And they had a perfect father and a perfect environment, and they still messed up. But the great thing is that God has made arrangements for our imperfections. You know, before I was that imperfect daughter of imperfect parents, I was a dream creation in the heart of God. I was the spirit that he was shaping and creating and fashioning. And and he was writing in his book, this is in Psalms, writing in his book the things that how he would shape me through stuff that happened. And he was writing about the legacy I would leave for my family and in this world, Kingdom Impact. And he knew back then that he needed a bit of a plan in place, a help plan. And he had ready back then that gift of forgiveness and that cloak of perfect righteousness already to cover my stuff ups all ready to take care of the things that he knew inevitably would mar my life and my being. Things of stuff done to me and things that I would do or choose. And his healing grace was ready back then. You see, he knew that wounding and sin, especially in my childhood years, would need help. And so he's already made provision for me to rise above that. He's already made provision for you to rise above whatever that was for you in your life. And we need to be so aware of that as we think about some of these things today. You see, wounds and scars are not an excuse to perpetuate brokenness. You can't say, well, this is what happens in my family and that's the way we do it. No, we're in a different family. There's been a lot in the news this week on wellbeing in New Zealand. Last um, Sunday in the Herald, the headline was, government will spend $320 to break the cycle of family and sexual violence. It went on to say that every year almost a million New Zealanders 1 million are affected by family and sexual violence, including 300,000 children. And Jacinda said, this is something I know New Zealand is ashamed of, and so we should be. Then on Tuesday, statistics came out that 3,353 children in New Zealand were on antidepressants last year. And the Canterbury was one of the top three DHBs in there. Also on Tuesday, new research was released that indicates that early drinking around age 14 leads to teenagers being three times more likely to be alcohol-dependent as adults. So think about it if you're thinking, well, we're just going to teach our teen a little bit. And then this morning, I looked at Herald again. Gang wars, shooting the worst in 60 years. This is in Otara particularly. And the college principal said this, saturating the area with police is not the long-term solution. It's those sorts of things that are sticking plasters. And I think when we're talking about countering violence, but we've got armed police, it's a bit of a contradiction. He said it's about long-term solutions. And until we actually start addressing the root cause of what's happening, we're not going to get anywhere. I thought, wise man. And I appreciate the $320 million that the government is going to use for education and uh, support and programs and all that kind of thing. But unless they get to the root, it's $320 million of sticking plasters. Yeah. And that's a lot of money to spend on sticking plasters. But we do want to see this cycle of abuse and all this other stuff broken. They've done studies now and identified these ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. And I won't list them off, and I haven't put all the negative stuff on there because I don't want you to take that away. I don't want that to be your visual takeaway. But these um, factors, and there's about 12 of them or more, and then they've looked on various studies on what's going the outcomes out of these. And one of these studies shows that children who have four or more of these ACEs are 12 times more likely to attempt suicide, seven times more likely to have an addiction, 32 more times likely to be labelled with a cognitive or behavioural problem such as ADHD. So we know all this stuff. What are we going to do about it? Just take a look at this little YouTube clip for a minute. It's incredible, isn't it? But when we hear about cycles of abuse... I know he wants to do it again... um, Cycles of this stuff happening, it's actually more than a cycle. It's that. It's that kind of domino effect that something you could lay down with tweezers would end up having an effect as high as the Empire State Building. But you see, we can turn that around, and we can create positive domino effects. I was thinking about stories in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, around family. And I thought, actually... I couldn't see any illustrations really of, of family in there. It's Jesus' family, we know a little bit about. But then I realised that there's one overarching story that's in the New Testament, not recorded in the Old, but was told by rabbis many years before Jesus retold it. And this story was told to accentuate the love. Of Father God. So everybody would know throughout Israel what Father God was really like. And it's the story of the loving Father. But in 1700 AD, they changed the name to the story of the prodigal son. So you probably know it with the emphasis on the son. But the story was told to emphasize the Father. And you think about this Father, and most of you will know the story. If you don't, you can read it in Luke 15. And his father had two sons, and the younger son got a bit tired of being around home, and he asked if he could have his inheritance. Now, back then, it's like saying, I wish you were dead, I want your money. And so it was a horrible thing to do. But anyway, the father didn't hold back. But you see, this father, he didn't go rescuing the son. He actually let him go, gave him some money, let him go, knowing and trusting that that boy's decisions and circumstances and choices and the things that would happen would eventually humble him and he would come back. Neither did he bend into the older son's little tantrum. And uh, he just called him up to be who he was supposed to be as well. You see, both those boys had elements of an orphan spirit, They didn't comprehend the love of this incredible father that they had. The younger son definitely came to appreciate it. Let's hope the older one did. Because the father welcomed him back in. And even though he'd wasted inheritance, he was actually allowed to live out more of that inheritance again. And, you know, that story is a story of our heavenly father and his attitude toward us. And, you know, there are times that we mess up. You see, before we were born into this imperfect earthly family line, and we sang about this this morning, actually, that new song. It's really awesome. And um, we were born into God's family, that royal blood. So we've actually got royal blood flowing through our veins. We've diverted some of it for a while but it's so natural once we receive Jesus to be grafted back in and have that, that bloodline flowing through us. And, you know, we might have wasted some of our father's inheritance in the meantime. But, you know, our father has an inexhaustible supply and uh, of resources, but also grace. And grace, the definition that I like of grace, which is not the same as mercy is grace is the power to be and to do all he has called me to be and to do. You see, grace is about power. It's different to mercy. It's about power. And the Bible tells us that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So that's the foundation that we need. You and I are empowered to stop cycles of dysfunction. And uh, that whether that's anger, negativity, inferiority, consistent relationship breakups, whatever it is that has come through. Siri, she heard inferiority and is now defining it for me. Shh. Good way. Goodness sake. All right. Um, that's the first. So we're empowered to actually start these new generational legacies, new generational domino effects, so that we and our family line will have mountain-moving, faith-influencing, kingdom-influencing, world-influencing, history-making, grandchildren, -grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, and on we go. You don't know who God has got planned to be in your family line. We need to be responsible in that. But first of all, first of all, this is where it starts to touch your hearts now, and this is where we're going. First of all, we need to be aware of our past wounding because the stuff that's beneath the surface of our lives is what causes the trouble. It's not the nice shiny bit on top. Next slide, please. It's the... Issues beneath the surface. And for some of you, it's not the iceberg. Some of you probably living, maybe living with a volcano instead. You know, duck, she's going to blow, or duck, he's going to blow. And uh, so we run for shelter until the anger's over, and then we go on as if nothing ever happened. We've got to identify these things for ourselves. The fact is that our past does affect how we function today, how we love Jesus and how we love other people And, you know, if we don't pay attention to it, we can end up repeating it, replicating that bad behaviour. You think, oh, no, I've made a vow. I'm not going to be like my father. I'm not going to be like my mother. Well, research has now shown that if we hate something badly enough, it will so dominate our emotions that we'll end up becoming it anyway. And you might have seen examples of that. Becoming what you hate. So God's intent was that mums and dads would show us what he's really like. What is he really like? Well, he's told us over and over in the Bible, and it's coming up. Thanks, guys. Press the button. Thank you. God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So as parents, we just be that. We've got it covered easy. You know, the family we grew up in is the primary, and in very rare uh, instances, the primary influencer, the most powerful system that shapes who we are. And as Christians, we know God has commanded us to love our mother and father, to honour, rather, our mother and father. But I want to tell you this, honour is not ignoring the wrongs or pretending stuff didn't happen. It's actually dishonouring to perpetuate a normal that is ungodly because you're going to destroy the next generation or damage them. So honours having the discernment to look at mum and dad, recognise their great points, but also identify their values, attitudes and behaviours that didn't line up. You know, for the sake of our children and grandchildren, they are the things that we've got to change. Those things. Now, you could just keep perpetuating that ungodliness and leave it to your children to do the hard yards. But someone's got to be the point of change. Someone's got to be the hero in the family line. And I want to tell you today, it should be you. You need to be the hero in your family line. There'll be generations that will thank you for it. But first, you've got to get unstuck. So... Let's think about your family for a moment. Just a few questions, and again, I'm not putting these up there, but I can give some of this to you if you want to spend some more time on this. What did you learn from your parents about how to handle conflict? How to use money? How to deal with failure? How to deal with stress? How to face challenges? And what did you come to believe as you saw your parents doing those things in that way? Did you come to believe that your survival was all up to you? That fathers never keep their promises? That you're unlovable? That failure is fatal? And maybe you took on a role. What role did you take on in your family? Were you the scapegoat, the naughty one? Or well, the good boy, the good girl, the responsible one, the other parent. Were you the troublemaker or the rescuer? And the question is, are you still playing that role? And really, who are you, really, if you weren't playing that role? We often just end up playing that role in the next group of people we get amongst. And then how did you learn to cope with pain? Did you flee, flee inwardly by Addictions, something to numb the pain, by fantasy, by controlling the environment around you? Or did you fight, aggressive, the, no one's going to get anything past me, the world owes me, I'm going to win at any cost? Or did you, what's the third one, is Hide, hide the pain, cover up have a whole variety of masks to put on for appropriate occasions. You know the church mask, Sunday one? Everything's good. And we can live behind those masks and never know who we really are. So we don't want to do that. All those are survival kits. And survival kits are really helpful when we're kids. But as adults, they hinder us. They um, stop us from going into the full freedom that God has for us. So we need to get to the roots of where we've got stuck, where our family line might have got stuck. And so we're going to look at some roots. First of all, just talking about father wounds. And as we talk about father wounds, um, one of the things, and they're just ways that father misrepresents father God, okay? And uh, in amongst that, we have this... um, of the masculine, and the masculine is a continuum, and there is a ditch on both ends, if you like, of this, and I wonder how Father represented the masculine for you. You see, the ditch on one end is the macho, emotionless, we've got it covered, nobody's going to hurt me, I'm tough, and uh, big boys don't cry, especially when you've had a few drinks, all that kind of stuff. And then over on the other side, we've got this weak, passive man who's abdicated his role, his responsibilities. Don't fall in the ditch. Some of you might have grown up with one of those models. Other things that can happen is a father is angry or harsh in discipline. If he's abusive, maybe he favoured a brother or sister. Maybe he didn't provide protection. And security for you. Maybe he was hooked on drugs or alcohol. Maybe he was passive, physically in the room, but emotionally not even there. Or maybe he had a job that took him away from home a whole lot and you didn't get to see him a whole lot. Maybe he was unreliable, a promise breaker and so we get these effects on the child like the child becomes insecure and lacks that sense of identity and confidence they don't really know who they are can have all kinds of fears and trust issues and at the same time this hunger for the masculine or actually despising the masculine that's what it looks like to be a man i don't want to be like that which is a problem if you're a boy maybe indecisive, feeling like a failure, things like that. There was a boy um, who says, when I was at the park with my father, he would throw the ball as hard as he could, and if I failed to make contact with the bat, he would scream at me. Upon further failure, he would spout, you big sissy, don't be afraid of the ball. I would then begin to cry, my father would stop and slap me. He would comment that only sissies cry. He would say it in such a way that I would feel physically stabbed in the gut. His verbal and emotional abuse misnamed me for years. So at the slightest hint of failure, those words would come back and reinforce my belief in myself as a failure. I was unable to complete things. I was fearful of failing. And I was proving my father to be right in his assessment of me. Broken and wounded, I tried for years to soothe my wounds by performing for others, including God. And that's a story that's repeated many times over in different versions. You see, all that we see of our Father, we end up projecting onto God, Father God. And so some of us wouldn't want to be close to that kind of God. I mean, what moods are going to be in today? What is Father meant to do? I want you to see the positive. Father's main role is to affirm and empower. So dad's in the room. If ever you want to know what am I supposed to do, affirm and empower over and over and over. But really I want you to take your parent hat off at the moment. I want you to have the child hat on so that this sinks in. Father is to uh, call out and affirm our identity, to equip us to face life's challenges to communicate, you can do it, and provide, protect. The true masculine, I talked about the false before in the ditches, but the true masculine is simple, initiating, prevailing in the face of adversity, speaking and standing up for truth, that's a big one, guys, and bringing order. So we're going to pause for a moment from talking and... Uh, can you all stand? We're just going to do a little bit of ministry with everybody. You're all on the altar call right now, okay? Folger, didn't I? <laughs> you're all on the altar call. And we're just going to allow Holy Spirit to minister to us. So I'm going to pray this prayer, and you're going to repeat it after me. So we're going to go a bit longer than um, 30 minutes with uh, speaking today because we've added in the altar call as part of this. Is that okay? All right. So you repeat after me. Father God, I need you. There are ways I don't see you clearly. Lies I believe about what you are like. Sometimes I've ignored or rejected your love. I want to live fully as your child. Not as an orphan. I call out for your touch, for your voice of affirmation, and for your words of blessing as your son or daughter. I give you all the ways I've been wounded by my father, be that real or perceived. I choose to forgive my father for this wounding. And Father God, I give to you the lies I've come to believe about myself and about you. In every place of wounding, I need to hear your voice of love bringing me freedom. I deeply need the affirmation of a father. I repent of and renounce renounce. the sinful ways I've looked for male affirmation. I I break partnership with any demonic spirits. I I have unwittingly given a place in my life. life. Father, Father, I give you my shame. And in exchange, I receive your gift of no condemnation. Empower me by your spirit to strengthen my will, to choose your ways, to walk in your authority. Please show me how you're different from my earthly father. Cleanse my mind and heart from bad images of father and men. Give me new images of you. As my loving Father, kind and strong, protecting and empowering, and affirming me, set me free to know the good of the masculine. I'm just going to pause and ask God this question Father God, what do you want me to know right now? Okay, you can take a seat. I trust you've got a take-home from Father God in that. Let's talk about mother. Mother wound. And again, we have this um, spectrum of continuum of feminine, what we call the feminine. And again, a ditch on both sides. And I don't know what you grew up with, but the ditch on one side can be this um, weak woman who sees herself as a victim, powerless to deal with anything, just, um, yeah, all that kind of stuff. And the ditch on the other side is the woman who's, I'm going to fight this, and she's put on this warrior armour and full of fight. She's hard and fighting and angry. We don't want to fall in either of those ditches, but some of you might have grown up with a mum who tended toward one of those. Or maybe you were separated from mum because of early hospitalisation. Or maybe she was drug or alcohol dependent. Maybe she had mental illness. Maybe she was being abused by a partner. Maybe she wanted a child of the other gender. You're a boy, she wanted a girl. Maybe she didn't want any more children. She had enough. She was tired. The effect on a child of that lack of bonding and connection with mother is deep emptiness and dread inside. It's like never being able to be comforted. It's like this lack of a sense of being. It feels like there's a hole at the bottom of your soul and even God's love just drains through really quickly. There's no sense of I'm okay or it's good to be alive. Difficulty making healthy relationships, And longing for female touch or looking for someone to bond with. My um, father died (coughs) when I was a little girl, so there's a number of wounding things in there, father wound stuff. But also, (coughs) because of what happened then, (coughs) my mum had to step into that role of being kind of taking on some of that dad stuff as well, raising four children on her own, 11, 9, 6 and 3. And, um, and so I began... Although I'd had, you know, good bonding with my mother as a little one, it suddenly all changed because she didn't have any emotional capacity now to care for what was going on in my world. She had enough going on and looking after the others. So I learned not to go to her for support, and I went inward. And um, I got to the stage where it was difficult to allow anyone to comfort me or to talk about real issues... And those kind of things led to depression and and, uh, other stuff that happened. So, you know, she did the best she absolutely could with what she had. And people can only do so much. But the whole thing of modelling how to process emotions in a healthy way just wasn't there. So that's been a big learning curve for me. So mother's role is to nurture the child's soul into life. And they say that the newborn baby's eye focus is just a distance between a child baby being nursed there and mother's eyes. And mother communicates to that baby that it's a good place to be, that she wants it, that this child is loved, and calls that soul to life. Really huge. And then to continue to comfort and to build that foundation of love and security and the true feminine... Establishes meaningful relationships, is nurturing, receptive, responsive, intuitive, and discerning—all those good things. And I just say in here that Father God is both contains masculine and feminine. Otherwise, how could He say, "Let's make man in our image, male and female"? He made them, and so we all have um, bits of masculine and feminine in there, and that's okay. That's absolutely fine but we're obviously more one, uh, biologically one or the other, and more one or the other in terms of um, this as well. So you're on the altar call again. Now you know what to do. I'm going to stand up? <laughs> I'll just get Deb up on the keys. So let's pray. You know the goal of today is to get you healed up so that you can establish greater freedom for your family, for your relationships. So, Holy Spirit, I invite you into my earliest years and into any place in me that's empty, hurting, or needing comfort. Establish in me a sense of being. Come and bring the love and nurture I need. Let your healing spirit flow into places of wounding and neglect and need. I forgive my mum for not meeting my needs. I ask your forgiveness for sinful and unhealthy ways that I've tried to get my needs met. And I break partnership with any demonic spirits that I gave a foothold in my life. Jesus, I give you my shame, and I receive in exchange your gift of no condemnation. I choose to look to you, Holy Spirit, to meet my needs. Holy Spirit, Uncover the lies I've come to believe about you and about me. Please replace them with truth. The truth about how you hold me and care for me. Give me a deep revelation of your unchanging and everlasting love and of the safety and comfort of being held and cherished by you, the comforter. Now, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to know? Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media.